The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here is what Salt Lake's talking about. Today is the last day to declare candidacy for Utah's 2024 election. And challenging Republican Governor Spencer Cox for the top job is a Democrat from Salt Lake City. Representative Brian King. Now, here is my question. Why the hell would a Democrat want to run for governor in a state where Republicans rule? And if winning is a long shot, which it is, what does success look like? I asked him. It's Monday, January 8th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Representative Brian King, candidate for Utah governor, you've been representing Salt Lake as a Democrat in the Utah House for 15 years. You spent about half that time as the House minority leader. So you probably know better than anyone how hard it is for a Democrat to be successful on Capitol Hill. Why do you think you can win the state's top office? I think it's because I have have had real success in the, in the legislature. You can't get anything done as a Democrat unless you are... Uh, creating good relationships with people on the other side of the aisle. That's true up at the Utah State Legislature. It's been that way ever since I've been there. And so I've worked hard to establish good relationships. I've worked hard to find uh, things that I can agree with on uh, about my colleagues on and, and persuade them that something that they may have some initial hesitance or uh, concerns about what I'm doing, in fact, makes sense and ties into their values. There have been times, of course, when it's been frustrating, when I haven't been able to get done nearly as much as I'd like. Uh, Gun violence prevention is one issue that I've dealt with many times, and I've had success at times, and other times uh, have met with some uh, frustration in the sense that people just don't want to even try to deal with the issue. But my experience is that when you talk to people, you have a chance to discuss things with them, and you can be reasoned and rational with them, and they with you you can find some real reasons to come together and accomplish great things for the people of the state of Utah. Yeah. I mean, we love to chat about politics on this show. And so I just, I have to ask you this, and I wonder if you've been asked it already. Why not run for attorney general? I have been asked this. It's an open seat. You're an attorney. It seems like it would be a pretty strategic decision. Yeah, it's true. I'll tell, well, here's why primarily. I think that the opportunity to run for governor and have affect change over the entire state and uh, from the position of acting as the governor is significantly greater than the ability to affect change in the attorney general position. I am a lawyer. I spend every day litigating and I love my law practice. I've done very well over the last 25 years representing folks who have had denied life and health and disability claims. I sue insurers every day. It's very much a David versus Goliath mentality. And I've really built a successful practice, have about a dozen employees, and we enjoy what we do here. And so quite honestly, to trade that for being the attorney general just wasn't very attractive from my perspective. Interesting. You don't want a different legal job. (laughs) No, I got about the best legal job I could hope to have right now. Hmm. 
Hmm. That's unfortunate because it sounds like the attorney general's office could use uh, that kind of um, infrastructure right now. Yeah, well, you know, we've had three attorney generals in a row that have had issues that we've been concerned Mm -hmm. about the legislature, and I think people in the state of Utah have been concerned about. So my hope is that um, that we have a successor to our current AG that really rehabilitates that office, both the structure and the public image of the office. Well, I think that's one of the reasons people think you might have good odds if you ran. No, I think that's right. I mean, a, a good Democrat who steps up and runs, I think, uh, the last uh, statewide office holder that uh, Democrats had here in Utah was the Jan Graham, the attorney general in the 90s. We've had good attorney general candidates run and uh, have had a greater likelihood of success than uh, other statewide offices in the past. But I actually think that the framework for how Utahns are thinking about statewide office is changing uh, for all offices, not just the attorney general, but for governor and for some of the other offices. So that's one of the things we're excited about with the campaign. Yeah. I mean, you brought up that it's been a while since Democrats won a statewide election. For the past four elections, the Democratic candidate for governor has lost by at least a 30-point margin. What makes your candidacy different? Here's what I think is different. I just think Utahns deserve better than the current state of uh, politics. I I think many Utahns feel that their party has moved away from them, that uh, they feel that their party doesn't speak to their values and priorities, and I'm running to offer an alternative, a government that prioritizes public good over personal interests, that delivers results, not just a bunch of cheerleading, not just a bunch of rhetoric, uh, and delivers a a culture of courage and character in uh, the governor, uh, not someone who is going to easily be rolled over by the most extreme elements of their party, uh, not someone who is contentious or wants to engage in culture wars, but acts for the better of Utahns to address the day-to-day concerns that they have. I think I can do that. Um, I come from sort of uh, deep roots in the the Utah community and the uh, heritage that we have, the faith heritage. And my uh, on both sides of my family, our roots go back to 1847, 1848, that kind of a time frame when they came over. And Look, I, I am an active Faith member. Faith heritage sounds like a euphemism. You're talking yeah, about the no, LDS ta- Church. I, I was just going okay. <laughs> to say I'm an active member of the LDS Church. That's something that's important to me. But I think that that people want to uh, feel that, that the people that are running for office understand uh, those kinds of values and priorities, and I do. And one of the reasons I've always said that I'm a proud Democrat and I am a proud Democrat is because of the things that... Uh, my LDS heritage and my Utah heritage have taught me uh, looking out for people who need help, making sure that you don't put your own personal interests ahead of uh, the interests of those who are, you're called to represent. And the idea that uh, little people, not little people, but people who are just trying to make it through every day uh, have a fair shot against much more concentrated and powerful interests, whether they be individuals or whether they be corporations, that resonates powerfully with all of us. And it should, because that's what we need to be wary of, quite honestly. We've had uh, in Utah now for decades, single party control. And I think that we all know that uh, power corrupts and absolute power uh, corrupts absolutely. I think we've seen that in the state legislature and with our governor's office. And I really think that uh, this is something that we need to address with Utahns more effectively to say there is someone who brings a different perspective to the table than what we've just heard for decades. 
And it's a perspective that addresses people's real needs. It's a perspective that wants to keep uh, government within uh, control and not have it overreach into the most private, personal decisions in our lives. One of the things that frustrates me greatly is the degree to which the legislature and the governor have made uh, laws that the governor has signed into law uh, that intrude on the most personal private decisions that we make as individuals, family decisions, things about reproductive freedom, of course, is critically important. It extends beyond reproductive freedom. It extends to things like uh, what books our kids are going to read in school. Uh, it extends to uh, all sorts of areas that I, I think our legislature and our governors have been second-guessing uh, people's own decisions and their ability and their right to make decisions about what's important in their own life. So those are some of the things that I want to talk about. I mean, it's certainly the case that the Utah legislature seems, and the Republican supermajority seems, unafraid to write legislation that may be unpopular with the average Utah. But at the same time, they've done a lot in recent years to limit the governor's power. So even as a member of their own party, we've seen Governor Cox struggle to get his agenda moved through. What do you think you could get done as a Democrat while we have a Republican-dominated legislature? One of the things that I've seen in Governor Cox from the day that he uh, was the governor-elect and was saying things uh, that I looked at and said, well, good for you, Governor. Thank you. Those are important things that need to be said about uh, diversity and equity and inclusion and about other things. Between that, then and now, I've seen a significant change in Governor Cox, and it's in the nature of letting the most extreme elements of the legislature basically dictate to him what he will do and not do as governor. So mm -hmm. we send over uh, legislation, oftentimes legislation that I have opposed, for example, dealing with reproductive rights, closing abortion clinics, for example, which we did in the last session. And instead of saying to the legislature, I'm not going to sign this bill, this is a terrible bill, uh, Governor Cox just signs it because he recognizes that the, the legislature can override his veto. What he should be doing is saying to the legislature, override my veto if you want. I'm taking my case to the people of the state of Utah, and I'm going to explain to them why my position reflects their values and priorities with regard to access to reproductive health, access to abortions. And, and it, when you think about it and when you learn more about it, you recognize how critically important it is for that to be retained and for us in the state of Utah to honor the kind of choices that families make in their own personal private settings with their doctors, oftentimes with their faith leaders, about really difficult circumstances, when and how and why to terminate a pregnancy, for example. I understand how those choices are made. I'm interested to hear you bring up such a kind of a lightning rod issue, because often when we see Democrats in the state run statewide campaigns, they shy away yeah. from topics like abortion. Do you see yourself as a moderate? Well, let me tell you, Allie, I have strong feelings about this because I have personal experience with this. And it's not something that I want to say anything more than that about because it's really not my story to tell. But mm -hmm. suffice it to say that people close to me have been uh, struggling with this and have had experience with this that make me realize we, as a legislature, do not, should not be involved in these decisions, period, full stop. These are the kinds of things that any self-respecting uh, individual as a legislator or as a political activist who believes that government should be kept in its place, kept out of our lives in the most personal, private things that we do, they should be saying, we should not be getting involved here. And I feel strongly about that. And I think Utahns do, too. Uh, and it's because we are small government uh, people here in this state. And it's because we do value families. And I think up until the Dobbs decision was handed down from the Supreme Court a year and a half ago, 
I think that Utahns were a little bit uh, wary to talk about this and let the Republican lead uh, about we must overturn road uh, take its place and sort of uh, they, they were willing to go with that because it kind of sounded good in some ways. But once the reality came down that uh, Dobbs overruled Roe v. Wade and now we're at the mercy of the state legislature, I think Utahns, like people in Kansas, like people in Montana, like people in Kentucky are saying, no, 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 we're not going to let you do that, state legislature. We're not going to let you sign those kind of bills into law, Governor Cox. Hmm. And so that's one of the things that I do feel strongly about. And I quite honestly think Utahns are much more in line with my thinking on this than they are with the legislatures. Hmm. Well, that's interesting, given that it's possible that you'll be running alongside a ballot initiative on this very issue next year. Well, I hope that's true. I would love to see a ballot initiative on this issue because I think Utahns need to and want to stand up and tell the legislature basically where to get off on these important issues. Utah is the youngest state in the country. It's the fastest growing state in the country. I really think that people in the last, especially since you've had a uh, the major party here in Utah, the predominant party here in Utah on both the national and the state level, sort of reveal itself as being inclined to uh, have a lot of sympathy for authoritarian impulses and leaders. Mm. I think Utahns are more and more likely to say, we're getting off this train now. We're ready to look at alternatives. We're ready to get beyond party labels, team red, team blue. That's not the kind of stuff that we want to deal with right now. What we want to deal with is what addresses the needs of our day-to-day lives and makes sense, common sense, not just a bunch of uh, ideological or partisan extremism. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants, but the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments, so if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. 
I'm interested in this idea that you can get some leaders in the Utah legislature to the table on issues. We have new leadership in House Speaker Mike Schultz now. What's your relationship like with him? I've always had a good relationship with Mike. Mike and I, he was the majority leader when I was the minority leader for I think like four years. <laughs> Mike lets you know exactly what he's thinking, where he is. He doesn't hesitate to, uh, you know, if he's coming after your bill or if he's coming after an idea of yours, he lets you know that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. He's very open-handed in that way. And vice versa is true. I mean, he's had some things where he has pushed hard and I've let him know, Mike, we're not going to do that. And he says, yes, we will. And I say, no, we won't. And we have a discussion back and forth. I get along well with Mike. Uh, We have a good relationship. He's not always going to agree with me and vice versa. But what we do have is mutual respect for each other. And there, again, have been many times when I've been able to work with him and other people in the Republican Party across the aisle to accomplish things Mm -hmm. or to even stop bad bills. Well, I want to talk to you about some of your priorities. Gun control has been a big priority for you. You've tried to expand background checks on gun sales. We spoke a little bit about abortion. What else? What else is on the list? Well, there are a lot of things. Uh, The Great Salt Lake is hugely important, I think, Mm. for all of us. And no one living along the Wasatch Front is going to want to live here without that lake being out there. Or be Uh, able to. (laughs) It might not be our choice. That's right. It might not be our choice if the health problems are that bad associated with no lake out there. So we've got to do a a much better job of figuring out how to get water to that lake. And I've talked to a number of people who are familiar with this. It's very complex, and we need to really think hard about how we're going to have a success story in Utah. There's no alternative to not having the Great Salt Lake there. So I think the governor could do, needs to do more to really uh, bring about a creative uh, solution for solutions, more than one. There's not a silver bullet here to figure out how to get water in that lake. And the challenge is there are so many users of water that goes into the lake or that has historically gone into the lake who have been diverting it out of the lake. Agriculture, of course, is the major user of uh, water that used to go into the Great Salt Lake. And we have done some things uh, at the legislative level and the agricultural interests have come together, but we need to do a lot more. We haven't done nearly enough. And that requires some sacrifice, shared sacrifice. And I think getting the will and the Commitment to do that is a challenge, but there needs to be a lot of work on that. I think we also need to work on such things as the gender wage gap here in Utah. Hmm. I think it's a terrible message to send our uh, women, our young women particularly, about what their economic future looks like in the state of Utah. We can and we have to do more on that point. A quick follow-up about the lake. Do you support setting a target minimum level for the lake? Sure. That was something that uh, Senator Bluen uh, ran a bill to propose in the last session. Made perfect sense. I don't know why it didn't get traction, but it didn't. Yes. I mean, we need to get to a point where there's a target level set and that we do everything we can to make sure that we hit it. If you don't set a target level, what's to say what's success and what's failure in terms of addressing the needs of the lake? I think everybody who has looked at this says that's a good idea. So, I think we ought to do that, and uh, and then we ought to more than set the target. We ought to work, do everything that we can, everything that needs to happen to make sure that we achieve that. And it's going to be challenging, and it's going to be difficult, but it's a number one priority from my perspective in terms of our quality of lives here in Utah. You know, I have to ask you how you think about measuring success on this campaign. Because when I hear you talk about these issues, you know, we've discussed that it's it's a bit of a David and Goliath situation. Are there other ways that you're looking, like is just raising the profile of certain issues one of your goals? There are a lot of ways. Obviously, winning is the target. That's what hmm. you want to do. 
but even if you don't have a complete victory and, you know, there's a Democrat named Brian King taking uh, occupancy of the governor's mansion in January of 2025, what you're looking at is increasing the public awareness of the legitimacy and the reasonableness and the attractiveness of Democrats who want to run for statewide office in Utah. There's also an important aspect of saying to LDS voters, look, you, there's no inconsistency between between being a member of the LDS church and voting for Democrats. In fact, uh, again, I'm a Democrat because of the values of the LDS church. And I think as we've seen more and more people watch the Republican Party go in really radically uh, awful directions, I mean, I, I believe in the Constitution. I'm a lawyer. And one of the things that really animates me and caused me to say, I've got to run for this office is to see the leader of the Republican Party in the national uh, stakes, uh, the, the guy who's going to, in all likelihood, end up as the candidate for president uh, among Republicans, uh, look at this and say, I'm going to terminate the Constitution if it suits my purposes. That's extraordinarily frustrating to me. And I think it is... Uh, it is alienating to many, many Utahns of all stripes, but particularly people within the LDS Church who have looked at the Constitution as being something that they valued and that they cherished. And I think they're looking for candidates who will call it out. One of the things that is so frustrating to me about our governor is he wrings his hands about Donald Trump and says, well, I wish we had another candidate. Well, you know what, my friend? You're not going to get another candidate. You're going to get this guy running for president of the United States. I want to know how you feel about Donald Trump. Are you voting for him? Are you going to tell Utahns that they ought to vote for him? If so, you're not qualified to hold office, my friend. You and I, Governor Cox, took the same oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. If you can't call a guy out who wants to terminate it as the leader of your party and say unequivocally that he shouldn't be the next president of the United States, you don't deserve anybody's vote as governor in this state. I think that that's critically important for people to know. That's my position on this, because you know what? I think a lot of Utahns feel the same way. Hmm. Okay. Before I let you go, I have to ask you a question about your current job, because we're heading into the legislature's general session next week. What do you hope to accomplish for Salt Lake constituents in your last term representing us in the House? There are some great uh, bills that I've opened, bill files. I've got a bill file open on gun violence prevention, which I'm excited about. I've got a bill file open on progressive tax structure that I think is well warranted and overdue. One of the things that I've, uh, I've run this bill in the past at times is to uh, try to make sure that we have uh, a progressive income tax structure here in the state of Utah so that we... What does that mean? Well, what it means, right now we have a flat tax. We just have a single tax structure. What I would like to put in place is a structure that allows for and requires individuals who have really done well to contribute at a marginal tax rate that's a little higher. When, they re when their income reaches certain levels, ah. instead of paying uh, 4.65, which is what we've got right now as a percentage of their income, maybe they pay 5.5% uh, of their income uh, in income tax if they are making a quarter of a million hmm. dollars or a half million dollars or more. And then if they're making a million dollars or more, maybe we bump it up to 6%. That's the kind of thing that I think is fair. I think it's the kind of thing that resonates with Utahns as saying, well, yeah, if you're really doing that well, you're darn right. You should step up and pay more to educate our children and to maintain our roads and make sure that we do a better job of uh, cleaning the air and getting water to the Great Salt Lake. Those are the kind of things I think a progressive tax structure appeals to among people. Mm. I've also do got you have a any sense of how many Utahns make more than a million dollars a year. 
I don't. You know, I, I know it's... It feels so pie in the sky to me. I I'm know. Like, well, I think... Where are they? I think it's several thousand folks. I don't know mm-hmm. that it's a ton more than that. But here's the reality. It's, I mean, th- this would raise significant income, which right now, under our current income tax structure, is going to be going to public ed, higher ed, uh, children, and people with disabilities. Um, so, you know, those are worthy places to spend our state money, and we need all the money that we can get in those areas. So, but as much as anything, Allie, I think it sends the the right message to the people of the state of Utah and to people who are either coming to the state of Utah or who are already here, which is, look, if you're doing really well, good for you. I believe in a free market system. I have a small business and I've done well with this small business. I'm really pleased with that. But you know what? I'd be happy to step up and pay more to help worthy causes like public and higher education and children and people with disabilities in Utah. So that's an important uh, priority for me. And I think it's an important priority for most Utahns. So we've got that. I've got two or three other bills, but you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to miss the legislature, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. I've loved serving uh, House District 23. I, the people that I represent are just the highest quality folks in the state from my perspective, in my humble opinion. I'm not biased or, uh, at all in my evaluation <laughs> of my own district, but uh, you know, the time has come, I think, to step up and really say to Utahns, we can, we deserve better. This is a candidacy for the better of the people of the state of Utah. You deserve better than what you've been getting through one-party control over the last uh, few years, especially, as I say, in these last few years when we really had um, our party who has led the state revealed for what it is. Hmm. Representative Brian King, candidate for Utah governor, thank you so much for your time and Happy New Year. Thank you, Allie. Happy New Year. For some reason, you want to change your political party affiliation so that you can vote in the primary elections this summer. You should know that tomorrow, Tuesday, January 9th, is the deadline to get that done. I put a link to the Salt Lake County Clerk's website in case it's on your to-do list. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.